Good morning. It looks a little better than it did when I first walked in this morning. It was pretty empty there for a while. Uh, it looks like we, I don't know if we gained people or they just weren't seated at the time of that going on. One thing that's been rolling through my mind for the last while uh, is our God is an unchanging God. He is unchangeable. And he is immutable. He cannot change. And those thoughts have been rolling through my mind for a while. We live in a changing world. We live in a world that goes up and down like a yo-yo. Uh, one of the things that sort of brought this on was a couple weeks ago, Carson came over and he wanted to talk about things Marianne and I remembered and how they affected us. So I went back to do some looking and uh, I believe I can safely say Allen Beach I think is the oldest one here and so I started there with what happened in our world and I'm not going to ask you to give me an answer but I'm sure Allen remembers the dropping of the atomic bomb uh, it would be, I'm not sure, he would have been about, what, 11? So depending on his upbringing, that may not have happened. But I remember distinctly talking to a neighbor when we lived out at Greenwood. Last name was Lewis. I can't even think of his first name. Lived right there beside Gerald's on the farm. The old man. And he had been crossing the Pacific Ocean with the U.S. Marines, island hopping as they went. And he said, we stood on Okinawa and looked across the ocean. And we were told, sit still. Because the United States has something they're going to try to see if they can end this war. That's all we were told. Because we were also told that we will lose a million men to invade Japan. So, of course, the atomic bomb. It, then it put us into what we know now as the nuclear age. How did that affect you? How did that affect us? To this day, we have nuclear power plants. There's one just not too many miles from here we get our electric from, or some of it. What about the Cold War? That was one of the questions he asked, Carson asked was, what about the Cold War? How did it affect you? From the Cuba, Cuban Missile Crisis, and I think that was in 1962, is basically when it started, and it went until basically 1989, when the Berlin Wall fell. There was a lot of things happening in there. 
And one of those was the Vietnam War. And one of those, I'm sure James remembers, because I well remember, was that thing called the draft. And all of a sudden, when you turned 18, you had to go sign up. I can remember when I went to get my driver's license, I didn't have a birth certificate. And we ended up going in front of a judge and going through the whole process to get a birth certificate. But one thing I remember he said to me, very distinctly, he said, the U.S. government has no idea you turned 16. But let me tell you, they will know the day you turned 18. And I've almost pondered that one. The one didn't matter, but what the second one did. The draft. One of the things I can remember about the draft was it caused us young men to sit down and, at least in Ohio, we had to sit down and write out basically an essay of why you were a conscientious objector. You could not just go in there and say, I'm a conscientious objector and walk out the door. You went in, you signed up as one, and then you had three weeks, I think it was three weeks, to come back with that signed, that paper signed and written. It made you think. It made you really think. The other thing that brought the Vietnam War much closer to home for me was I was doing plumbing for YouTube Brothers, and I was sent out to this house to fix a toilet. I'll never forget it. Uh, and after it was over with, she looked at me and she said, are you a vet? And I said, no. Why not? Weren't you drafted? I said, no, I was in the lottery and I did not get drafted. And then she went on to say, I lost two brothers in World War II and your family's got to stay home and they've got the prime land in this county to farm now because some of us didn't have people that could come back to farm it. And she was bitter. It made me a lot of thinking. And it's like Josh said this morning, if it's worth living for, is it worth dying for? Where are you going to draw that line? Some of us very well remember the three assassinations of the 60s. John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Robert F. Kennedy. And how those affected this nation. And in some cases, it seemed to affect communities and the world. Change, it happens all the time. And we live with it. We have all. The Berlin Wall come down. That's when I said the Cold War basically ended was when Ronald Reagan told Khrushchev to tear that wall down and it finally came down, 1969. And all of a sudden, for us, for me, it didn't affect a whole lot. In fact, a lot of these things didn't affect me a whole lot. But they affected people. They affected change. They affected our world. They affected our nation. There was a lot of that. And of course, 
a lot of you, probably all of you, remember where and when and all that of 9-11. And one of the things I distinctly remember about 9-11 was, and I'm sure Shirley does too, because she got stuck in Canada for a few days. But one of the things I distinctly remember, when I would go check chickens at night, you could go out there, and if you looked at the stars, you could always see three, four, five planes flying. And all of a sudden, it was totally quiet. Not a single light blinking in the sky. It gave you an eerie feeling when you're always used to seeing that. It's always, they're always up there. We have a couple others. One of them is our transgender issues that we're dealing with in America and in the world. How do those affect you? Or don't they? Or doesn't it really matter to you? I did a plumbing inspection the other day out at the food bank, the new food bank just off of Airport Road. The bathrooms. I think there's six of them, are all transgender bathrooms. There is no male or female bathroom in that place. Well, I can't say that. There actually is one male because, or two out in the warehouse where the truck drivers come in and out of. But other than that, all workers, everybody else, they are all transgender bathrooms. How does that affect us? And I think one of the biggest issues is we have climate change happening and people are flatly denying climate change. Uh, Josh mentioned the, the economic burst of 2008. It didn't really affect Marianne and I a whole lot. The farm was paid for. I was working for the state. Granted, the state did some weird things back then, but anyhow, we'll leave that as they are. Uh, but it did affect my children. Raphael was out of a job. There were a lot of people out of a job. It affected people. And I think the latest one we have on the list and I'm not even going to try to touch it, is this thing called AI, artificial intelligence. If you've listened to anything happening with the strike going on between the, what is it, the TV or the movie writers and the actors, one of the biggest sticking points for the actors is you cannot retape a scene and use my voice as artificial intelligence in that scene. It has to be my personal voice. So now we're fighting over artificial intelligence. So when you think about all these things, these are things that have just changed in the lifetime of this church. People that are sitting here that would remember things like that or know of things like that. 
And then we come to Isaiah chapter 40. And I was going to read a long portion of it, but I don't think I will. Uh, we're going to start at verse 25 of Isaiah 40. And he says, to whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? And this is the, this is the thing that our nation and the world is doing. My way is hidden from the Lord, my right is dis and my right is disregarded by my God. No, God is not a changing God. And then he says in verse 28, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. And that verse is one of the... When, when I have people ask me questions and say... What about this and what about that in the Bible? The bottom line is God's ways are unsearchable. We can't know his ways. He has his reasons, and we don't know why. We may sometimes, but we don't always. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 46. Again, he talks basically about the same thing. Verses 8. 9 and 10. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. I will accomplish all my purposes. Nothing is going to be thwarted. And you know, Job, and I got a whole new perspective of Job the last time I read it. I've always felt like Job was unfairly beat up by the devil and let go by God. But if you read Job carefully, Job talks an awful lot about justifying himself. Pride. And when you get to chapter 38, God says, where were you when? And then he goes off on three chapters. 39, 38, 39, and four chapters, 40 and 41. But in 42, Job makes a reply, and in that reply you see Job's total change of attitude. He says, I repent in dust and ashes. God is so much bigger. And God goes through all those four chapters and says, where were you when? And Job has no answer. And then he comes to that last one, and I think it's about verse 6 or 7 or 8. Job gives a short little discourse and he finally says at the end, I repent in dust and ashes. He finally recognized that this God who he wanted to confront 
with where he was at, he finally recognized that this God is unchangeable. This is who God is, whether we like it or not. Now I'd like to switch over just a little bit. There's basically three times that you and I will be changed. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians, uh, I mean 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, I think it's, we'll start at chapter 3 with a couple of verses. This is our change. If we submit to God and are willing to let him have us and use us, then this is our change. Uh, I think it's chapter 3, verse 18. And this is, this is talking about, uh, Paul is talking about Moses coming down and the veil being there and having that veil removed. And then in verse 18, he says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, one degree of glory, to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. It's a change in us. We are being changed from the King James I think says from glory to glory. In other words we are being changed slowly as he says here one degree at a time into the image of Christ. That's the point to be changed and for us that's a positive change. A change to be willing to let God change us. The second change is in, uh, in 517. And that's a very common one. It says, therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The change from an old creature to a new creature. The new creation that is created when we give our hearts and our lives to God. And the last change is in 1 Corinthians 15, the rapture. We, when I read those verses again, it almost gave me goosebumps. Uh, the rapture is going to be such a glorious thing, it's not, it doesn't even fit on our scale anymore. Uh, We'll start at verse 51, I think. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body will put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Then the... The perishable, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on, the immorta puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, dearly beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's our last change. That's what really is going to change. 
we're not even going to look like the same people. We get a new body. We get a new everything. And for those of you that, uh, like Dale says, the men's class, when we get up, we grown, we're the grown-up class. Uh, sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it feels like those aches and pains are just forever going to be with us. But one of these days, we will be changed. And in that change, that is going to go away. I'd just like to, do, to, there were two other things I wanted to talk about, but they're not going to happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to skip those because I can make a sermon out of each one of those and maybe more. But anyhow, if God is unchangeable, if he cannot change, it means two things. His word cannot change and his promises cannot change. They will forever be steadfast and grounded, unmovable because God cannot change and they cannot change. One guy I was reading said, if God could change, then he's not perfect. And if he's not perfect, then he's not God. God is perfect. He cannot change. And because of that, his word cannot change. I was listening to, and I'm not even sure who, what the guy's name was, the other day on VBN, and he said, that when people tell him I was made this way and God has to deal with me this way, he said, no. God did not make you that way and God does not have to deal with you that way. And I thought about that and one of those things is Jesus said to us, you must bear your what is your cross? I don't know what your cross is. I'm not here to say what your, your cross is or what your besetting sin is. What is, what is like uh, the Apostle Paul, what is your thorn in the flesh? I don't know what those are. I don't know where yours are. I know what mine is. I know that they can be anything. They can be, you know, whatever you have. It can be your thorn. And anything that is considered above God or you value more as an idol is that besetting sin. And God does not need to deal with us by the way we are made. He deals with us by the what his word says. And his word is going to be the final statement. We can stand before God and, and if we want to argue with him, I don't think there's going to be an argument because he's going to say, I wrote you a love letter. I gave you the directions and you didn't follow them. God is going to deal with us by his unchanging 
word. That word will never change. His promises will never change. And his purpose will never change. I looked at, I was looking through some of the things where they listed how God said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and how he accomplished it. But the one I want to, the one I want to uh, read, it's just one verse, and it is Second Peter three, verse nine. This is God's purpose. His purpose for all of us, for mankind. His purpose is, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. So. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That is the whole purpose of God. That's the whole purpose of this book we call the Bible. When Dave was going through, but I told Marianne before I got up, I said, I wouldn't even have to preach this sermon. If you sat in the men's Sunday school class, you heard about half of what I was going to talk about, and Dave talked about the other half, and then Josh finished it off, so I wasn't sure I needed to even go ahead with it. But the whole purpose of God, the whole thing he has for man, is that we would come to repentance. That we would come and know who God is. And he gave us this book, and I know it's 66 books long. But he gave it to us so that we can and will know who God is. I'd just like to, in closing, read a couple of verses from Romans chapter 11. I want to back up one, one thing. I looked through the scriptures where Jesus said, you bear your own cross. Luke says, and he's the only one that says it, but he says, take it up daily. Not once in a lifetime. Not once a week. He says, take your cross daily. It's not something that goes away. It's going to be there to remind us who God is. Romans 11, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given him, has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I found these words to a song. And I just, I probably could have got Seth to read them, but I didn't find them quick enough. <laughs> I mean, play it for us. Well, I don't know if I can get it to come up. These are by, uh, what's the guy's name? Phillips, Greg, and Dean. If there is a God who holds the world in his hands, 
then where were you when mine came crashing down? If there is a God who tells the sun and the stars where to shine, then where were you when the lights went out? These are questions from the heart, desperate to know just where you are. Right now, I can't see you, but I choose to believe. The second verse is, there is a God whose promises, whose promises he has a plan. And I'm protected by his hand through flood and fire and hay. There is a God who's working all things for my good, sometimes slower than I think he should. And I think most of us are there. But his ways are higher. So I'm looking forward to the day when I see the purpose for this pain. Oh, but until I do, I'm choosing to believe. The chorus is, there is a God who's never left me. He, here in the hurting, he's still with me. You have carried me this far, and you won't stop. There is a God who sees my sorrow, catches my tears in a bottle. You're still working, even when I can't see you. Believing in an unchangeable God who is working and dealing with us as small, finite humans. And we don't understand why. But I am convinced that Paul, when he wrote, how unsearchable are his ways. We will never know how. Never even get close to knowing the ways of God. Father, we want to thank you for your unchanging word, but we also want to thank you for an unchanging God, one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, one who keeps his promises, who walks with us, who carries us, and all he asks us to do is believe, to trust him. And Lord, as we trust, as we walk by faith, we would see you move. We would see you work in our way for our good. Even though we can't understand it, we still choose to believe in Jesus' name.